An A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. And me, Martin. How are you doing? I'm just very relieved to be talking to you this morning. <laughs> We've had a, a few technical hit- hitches this morning, haven't we? Just a few, just a few. <laughs> we are now somehow, the rest of the world is managing to do to, to communicate perfectly well and um, we're, we're suddenly back in the Stone Age. No, I don't think it is. I think everyone's just so fed up and I think even the technology is fed up with the technology. We'll just I'll just shout at you from an opposite hill or something, you, or wave flags could or something. If do that, that would be great. Yes. Well, it is a flag day, isn't it? So, oh, is it? What flag know. day is it? Oh, this... oh, it's 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 the big one for certain folk. It's the big big red cross day. Oh, today. flipping Nora! No wonder I didn't know it was. Mm. Um, well, it's it's good that we'll be leaving these shores today to travel all the way to Hong Kong. <laughs> to our to our former colony. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yes, for today we are talking about the police drama Yellow Thread Street. Yellow Thread Street. Yes. Yes. Mm. We, a, a series of which I had never heard. That's how. That's how um, fascinatingly um, mainstream it was for me. I literally did not know this existed. You know when you told me. The title, mm. and I kept forgetting it because I couldn't remember it, and it just kept slipping out of my head. I genuinely thought this was going to be one of those Victorian dramas set around uh, Limehouse. I genuinely thought that's what the image of what the show was going to be was in my head. I see. And and I was and so when I when I actually tuned in because we've had to track it down. It's not widely available. I love how so you say track it down. You make it sound like detective work when in fact it's just go to YouTube. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to actually find the episodes, which is kind of uh, it's a bit a bit of a, a new one for me that one. Um, and so yeah, you go and, and and you and you can't get all of the episodes. That's the point I'm making. So when I I put the first one in, I thought, hmm, there's a jumbo jet there. This, this <laughs> doesn't appear to be set in Limehouse. I'm also loving your t- um, terminology. When I put the first one in, like you're actually putting a chunky video into a machine. <laughs> Rather than just watching it on YouTube, it's how my brain. When I put the first one in, (laughs) when I when I when I chose the first wax cylinder off the shelf (laughs) and put it upon my velocipedographer writer. So, do you want me to tell you some background about Yellowthread Street? I think you'd better because I did. I did actually watch it. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Before. Okay. So, made in 1989, based on the books of William Marshall. It mm-hmm. tells the 
tales the stories of the work of the Royal Hong Kong Police working in the Yellow Thread district of Hong Kong. In the books, it's Hong Bay, which is fictional. Um, in the TV series, they're a bit vague about it, really. But it's meant to be, it's meant to be this sort of dodgy area of Hong Kong. And there were 13 episodes which were first transmitted between January and April 1990. It um, adorned the cover of the TV Times and was a big hit with the viewers, not with the critics, and was one of the most popular TV series of the first half of 1990. Today, it's not remembered, and it had... It's only got six episodes available on YouTube, I think, out of the 13. Never had a DVD release. Uh, but the funniest thing I think about it is that it's made by Yorkshire Television, but it's in Hong Kong. I, I just think it's weird. It's like... Anyway. No, it is fascinating because uh, Ray Lonnon was uh, quite a sort of cornerstone of Sunbaggers, which was also made by Yorkshire Television. Right. So it's kind of um, it's kind of like Sunbaggers finished, we bumped him off or whatever. Yeah. And... We've got this deal for you, mate. Do you want to go and film in Hong Kong for a year? Yeah. When I told Marisa that we were going to do Yellow Thread Street for Y, mm. her face lit up. And she was oh, like, right. oh, I loved Yellow Thread Street. And I said, yeah, so did I. It was amazing, wasn't mm. it? And we loved it. We talked about the theme music and how colourful mm. and exotic it was. Mm. And we sat down to watch the episodes and mm-hmm. both of us just can't believe how terrible it is. <laughs> it's just well, cards on the table there and uh, it's, 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 I mean uh, did you like the series no <laughs> I mean it's it's not like GBH bad because GBH I feel is bad because so much money was spent on it and they thought it, well actually a lot of money was spent on the other throw street 8 million mm. but um, which is a lot then but mm. with GBH it thinks it's great and it thinks mm. it's clever and intelligent and mm. that was my problem with it because I thought it was bilge but this mm. It's just all bilge. Like, it yeah. doesn't even think it's clever. It's just right. trying to be Miami Vice in Hong Kong, made by Yorkshire Television. You see, that is exactly what I did. ITV <laughs> does Miami Vice. That's what I have written down here with my great big fluorescent marker lying straight through it. <laughs> and so, we do agree on that, if but, nothing else. But it's, uh, it's mysterious how much Marisa and I would look forward to it. I mean... Right. And it's is it just has TV moved on? Because I was not young at that point. I was mm. 18 when I watched it. Mm. And I thought it was the bee's effing knees. I really did. Had you travelled at that point? Sorry? Had you, had you travelled at that point? Had you oh, no. No, I hadn't. So maybe it was just it was, out, it, it was exotic and they were all attractive. And maybe that was a compelling thing back then. No ordinary cops patrolling the streets of no ordinary city. Their mission to clean up Hong Kong. Their methods unorthodox. This is harassing. It's a bitch, isn't it? Marenta, Jackie, Vale, Eddie Pack, Kelly Lang, CJ, Eden. No ordinary series. Yellow Thread Street starts tonight on ITV. Yeah, I struggled with it. I, I, I should explain, I've, I've watched uh, three episodes. Funnily enough, I've watched episodes 369, The Goose Drank Wine, The Monkey... Same. Drank wine. I've watched the same ones, so we're good. We're on the same... <clears throat> and I did, uh, before we watched this morning, I also watched episode 11 this morning just to reacquaint myself because it's a couple of weeks since I actually watched these for various reasons. 
Um, yeah, I've got I've got written down Sweeney in Hong Kong as well, which I don't think is quite true. But uh, do you know when we were t- doing the X Y Y and we were talking about Granada wanting a network crime yeah. program? I feel that this is pretty much the same. I mean, in many ways, there's there's a parallel here with the X Y Y man, strangely in the sense that this is another, you know, they've picked up the rights to a series of books or a book and someone has taken it to the TV company and adapted it. So there's there's that going on. Yeah. And it's, again, it's like we've got this property, let's turn it into a big network series. And it obviously, like you say, for those 13 weeks uh, back in the day, it, it presumably worked very well. Um what should we explain what it is? I mean, it's 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 Hong Kong. I, it's I, the Hong Kong police. I gave the synopsis basically. already, darling. <laughs> oh, did you? Have, have, uh, it was just very brief was because it was just no, it didn't. It was earlier. Um, oh, okay. It it's it, there's just not anything more to say than than it's the the work of the Royal Hong Kong Police in yeah. in Hong Kong because there's no <laughs> there's no sort of like running storyline. Even it's hard to get engaged with the characters because they change from week to week. Well, that was what I was going to ask you. What was the reasoning behind the chopping and changing of the leads every week? Well, because I think... Because I, I, obviously, I, picking sort of three random episodes to watch, I got different cast mostly. Well, I don't think we bloody did. Out. That was the problem. We got bloody Doreen Chan every week. That was the problem. We well, were just very unlucky to have all her episodes. Well, well, in fact, she's in all four. She obviously was the breakout star. Of well, I don't show. think she was. I think it was just we really unlucky that they were the ones. Yeah, that we okay. got. I, I also, I mean, you get Ray every week. You get Ray Long. Yeah, but he doesn't have a lot to he, do, does he? It's. I was again. It's one of those things I've written down. The captain role in a lot of these shows, even you know, things like Starsky and Hutch and what have you, the captain's role is always a bit thankless. You basically stand behind a desk, tell people off, shout at them, and very rarely do much else. Um, occasionally, every time he was actually on location, I was like, oh, Ray's out of the office again. Yeah. <laughs> but it was so rare, what? poor chap. Yeah, yeah, and you just think, oh, you know, I, I you know, I, I mean, he's been given, because I mean, it's basically, it would have been built around him, wouldn't it, as a, as a show? Built around who? Do you think? Would it have been, what it's saying, it would have been said, oh, Ray Lonnan's in it, who's from Sandbaggers, he's a big sort of British TV star. I don't think he was a big British TV star. I think that's over-egging the pudding. Um, I mean, I think the idea was to choose some really good-looking actors. And And Ray Lonnan. Yes. And and do something (laughs) Miami Vice-y. And and they they look good. Bruce Payne mm. and Robert Taylor look good, mm. and Mark McGann looks good, but mm. they've not yes. been chosen for their versatility on camera or their acting talent. I don't think. No. <laughs> really. Right now, we're the hottest property in Hong Kong. Right. Cute when you're hot on the trail. 
Sorry, I'm just, I'm just trying to find the note. Yes, and McGann's turned up, but probably not the one you were expecting. <laughs> all the, yeah, or the one you were wanting. Um, yeah, if there's um, so many shots where they're just staring and meaningfully yeah. or smiling or smirking. Well, that's the Miami Vice uh, sort of vibe, isn't it? I mean, if you actually think about uh, what, again, what I keep writing down when I'm watching these is it's got this music vid vibe. Oh, totally. I mean, this, I mean, MTV was you know big in the early 90s, so it, it probably felt like, you know, you wanted to make it slick. But actually, most episodes run to around about 45 minutes and there's actually around about 25 minutes of plot. Oh, most of if, do you think there's that much? Mm, well, I was I was being generous. <laughs> um, so you get a lot of moody looking at the horizon, or driving round streets, or or close ups of ja- uh, Chinese objects, or dark rooms, or yeah. T- to call the plots thin is is generous, I would say. I mean, what I've written down and highlighted and put a box around is basic plots, but yet and yet totally unintelligible. <laughs> it wasn't that they were just thin, was it? It was like, it was like that you thought more was going on, and mm. things were just said in grunts to each other often, and yeah. few lines of dialogue because there wasn't a lot of dialogue because there's so much music that you have to catch various little small bits to understand what was going on, and mm. the whole thing, I, I really struggled to follow it. Mm. Did you? There were lots of mumbling in rooms, yeah, I think. Um, and then basically leading up to a shootout where the bad guys. Or, you know, that either were raiding a house or, yeah. or were arrested or, or rounded up or whatever. Um, specifically, uh, I also get, said there's a little bit of a Blade Runner vibe running through it, which, again, I think is part of when sort of Western TV companies try and do Eastern culture. Yeah. They sort of they default back to, to Blade Runner because it's kind of what they understand. Make it moody, make it smoky. I mean, funnily enough, with all this uh, watching it, the interesting thing to me was we had a neighbour who worked for the Hong Kong police ah. when I uh, was growing up. Uh, I can't remember whether he'd come back to Britain having worked in the Hong Kong police or whether they moved out of their house and went to Hong Kong. It was one or the mm. other. Um, so I kind of felt, oh, no, this is what he did. I thought, no, he didn't. He really didn't. <laughs> um, but I, there was a there was a line in the I, I can't remember it's in the first one we watched the first episode we watched was called Key Witness yes uh, although it might as well be well I mean all the episode names don't seem to bear much relation to what's going on to be no, honest, really not um, but uh, there was just a line in it which went Sydney L A Manchester <laughs> <laughs> and I liked that and and they, so they mentioned Liverpool as well I think it was to do with drug uh, uh, trafficking. Yeah, but it was just Sydney, L.A., Manchester, <laughs> Manchester. Yeah, Manchester as well. Although that's Birmingham. So it was. Know. It was very odd. All of it. Noir done bad. I I thought was my yes. other main. And did you notice? Like, they were trying to go for a film noir vibe. Yeah. Vibe. And did you vibe. notice <laughs> that the writers and the directors weren't sort of like top rank? Mm, yeah, I kind of, I kind of picked up that I hadn't heard many of the names, particularly the writers. In, in, in a while. I mean, the one that yeah. surprises me is the associate producer and the director of one of the episodes we watched um, is Roger Cheveley, who mm. um, originally, way back in the day, was a BBC designer, and he actually designed mm. the wonderful swirly sets for the War Games. Oh, well, there you go. But 
when he went on to directing, one of his first directing jobs was two episodes of the final series of Secret Army. He actually directed the final episode. Do you know, he gets five pence every time anyone buys some fridge magnets. How do you mean? That's a joke. <laughs> he invented the fridge magnet. Never mind. <laughs> how, how, does that, how did that mean he invented the fridge magnet? Because of his sets on the board. Have you not seen the slidey metal? Oh, oh I see. Okay, God, ah, that was obscure. I do obscure. Wow. You see, you are going to be right in there. We can, we can tell we're out of sync. We've been out of sync for a while. It's yeah. <laughs> okay. I wanted to. There was there was something I wanted to say specifically about um, key witness that first episode. Don't you think the bad guy in it is the worst? bad guy actor you've ever seen in your life well the thing is right i now yeah. don't remember him and i watched this just a few days ago and i have no idea yeah. who he was so clearly right. he was shit because i don't remember him i don't i just put bad guy bad acting bad writing <laughs> <laughs> he was the bloke in the car he was kind of walking around in his suit being all oh know. was he the one who and, kept and, he was meant to meet dorian on the staircase i think so yes yeah. Yeah, there, there, uh, but there was also um uh, t- to be honest I watched the three episodes and they all sort of blur into yes. one mishmash of of people grumbling in rooms. Some of them wearing linen suits. So my first line, my first quite... line under key witness says, "Lots of meaningful looks from beautiful people, but nothing is happening." Mm. <laughs> yes. I tell you, well, I, I, going right to the beginning, right to the beginning. I I, I was quite surprised at how. Um, Stalkery, the title sequence was. Do you not? I, I don't know. I felt there was. It's like basically they walk around Hong Kong airport with. with well, they're all around Hong Kong, not just the airport. Well, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, and and I just thought this this is like one of those stalker videos. You see, that you feel like you're actually sort of. Well, it's it's following. These well, it's reportage, around. isn't it? It's 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 like mm. this is what it's like to walk around Hong Kong sort of feel. And mm. I think it's. I think the title sequence is gorgeous. I think it's really evocative. I always love the music. And Apart from the you're a style typeface, which is slightly disturbing. Okay, um, um, but I really did think that was the successful thing, and it was very much mm. that music. I think Roger Bellon, um, mm. and really, really good. And that that music takes you right back and makes you think, oh yeah, that was well, great. But but so much. But beyond that, no. I mean, even when we went to Hong Kong a few years ago, and we were in the taxi going from the airport, and it was all the neon lights and and all the darkness around us. And it's like, God, this is just like Yellow Thread Street. <laughs> it was really sort of that feeling. But, yeah. But, wow. It's interesting because I, 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 the music actually, I mean, as, as it often does in life, the music passes me by. Uh, so it, I, I can't even remember it now. I know you'll have played it in at the, the beginning of the programme and, and what have you, but I, I can't remember it. I'll probably be humming it all day when I listen to this back. You will, but, you will. Um, I promise you that. That's the one good thing about it. I kept getting annoyed, not only by the Yora style um, typeface, which is fair enough, but um, it's the fact that when the uh, character captions come up, they, they, you know, the actor name, it's, it's, there's that thing that happens at around this era, it's the same on sort of Dempsey and Makepeace and, and even things like The Professionals, is that they have to give them these cool sounding names. So you've got <clears throat> Vale and Eden. Yeah. You know, and it's like you know, you know, why why is nobody ever called Dolores or something? Dolores sounds quite exotic to me. <laughs> well, yeah, precisely. It's just you know, Vale because it's a hard crime fighting name. Brady, 
you know. Yeah. Yeah. And and I always just I just felt the sort of my, my cliche counter. I actually think that there was a point halfway through that first one where I actually started asking myself whether this was a spoof or whether it had ever been spoofed because it I mean, it's possibly unspoofable because it's it's kind of like every possible police procedural cliche thrown at the screen yeah. in as in as short a time as possible. Yeah. Hicks? He's all yours. Well done. What? I said, well done. Oh, that's what I thought you said. We'll be in later. Yeah. Quite a party, eh? The positive thing and I genuinely think this is a positive the series has, is you can tell you're in Hong Kong and they fo they photograph a lot of it beautifully. Yeah. There's a gorgeous shot in one of the episodes of a, of a 747 coming into land. Mm. I don't know if you saw that one. And it's an absolutely gorgeously framed yeah. shot. There's a couple of gorgeously framed shots of the slum areas where they go to a wide shot and you see all the, you know, the houses on top of houses and things. And it's a beautifully beautifully photographed a lot of the time yeah. you know and again like you say the actors are are cast because of their you know glamour good looks whatever and then there is a lot of moody sort of posing you know it is a rock video yeah it's a rock video made into television yes and you can see you know the appeal of that you know but the problem is i think you get a few years down the line and you start i mean maybe you can't get beyond things like the I don't know the the eighties nineties out outfits or whatever, but I think actually you just look at it now and you think it's a bit shit, really, isn't it? Yeah, um, you've you've hit the jackpot when it comes to your references so far. You mentioned the Sweeney, the Professionals, and Dempsey and Makepeace. All three of those had episodes written by Ronald Graham. Now, Ronald Graham was the guy who developed and produced Yellow Thread Street. He also created Dempsey and Makepeace. Mm. And he wrote six or five episodes of each of those series. So obviously he was bringing a lot of those references in mm. to Yellow Thread Street. But I can't help but feel that there was massive problems with putting the series together. The number of writers, mm. the cast weirdness that it keeps jumping between the, the them all. And is it like they don't think these characters work so they bring in a new one mm. or what? what that is about or is it about actor availability and having a pool of characters yeah. that you can draw on and make different people the leads different weeks mm. but it's there was possibly yeah. just a limit on how many weeks people could work in hong kong maybe something you, like that there's you, something you know. there's something behind the scenes that would explain are that are we because we're we're still before handover aren't we in in 1990 was it 96 that that the the city got 97 over 97 yeah. So we're a few years before that. So there is a definite, um, I don't know, an un uncomfortable vibe. I mean, the, the interesting thing to me is that um, they do use a lot of local talent, you know, and there's also quite a lot of Australian, I think. Yeah, talent. yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a quite international thing, and I assume that's all to do with deals and everything like that. Of course. Well. I mean, in terms, in terms of the production, the... Um... The production was held up, I understand, by lots of um, rituals and customs having to be done that mm. were local, sort of like mm. sacrificial pigs and incense, incense mm. to ward off evil spirits and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So I think 
That was a... All of which made their way into the plot scene. Yes, there's that pig episode, <laughs> Cecil. That was so weird. But um, but it's just such a bizarre programme. It's it's mm. so weird. And I can't imagine mm. the people in, in Hong Kong liking it. <laughs> you know, mm. and it's just... I did think it was quite racist. Um, mm. Because, yes, it was trying to be inclusive and it had people mm. played by um, people of colour from that mm. area... But mm. I did feel the vibe was the whites are here um, as the enforcers, as the good guys to stop mm. all the Asians from being criminals. Mm. Because I didn't think there were quite enough good Asian characters. I mean, the the, the good example, obviously you've got Dorian Chan as Jackie and you've got, um, mm. I think you pronounce it Tai Ma, who played Eddie mm-hmm. Pack. And it was this school teacher friend of his and they were good characters, mm. but there just weren't enough good, solid characters from Hong Kong they were you know mm. from Hong Kong or of Chinese descent and I felt yeah. that it was very much about the white um the white characters sort of like mm. bringing bringing colonial goodness do you know what I mean I know it's not Choi Kung Fai because I fished him out the harbour last month chained to his Mercedes so who's current who's on I will see only ones the air senses all betrayals. A friend, perhaps. Perhaps. Anything, Billy. Look, anything, man. I've got to go back with something. Even if I have to bust you for skimming off everything that's been caught here in the past 25 years. Don't you see you? Yes, maybe don't you see you? Ultimately, it's being made by Yorkshire Television for a UK audience, yeah. so I suppose that's not surprising. And again, this is this is pre-handover Hong Kong, so to maybe that that was the cultural vibe of the city back then. I, I literally don't I don't know that part of the world at all, yeah. so I, I I don't really feel qualified to comment. Yeah. But I imagine there was very much there was a them and us thing going on. I mean, I do think, weirdly enough, one of the the strengths, but also the weaknesses of the shows I watched, like I say, I didn't, uh, I w- I've only been able to watch uh, three or four of them, uh, was that they did, they did use the Chinese culture, in the sense that you know you you, ne- you know there was a lot of storylines based around yeah. that. The problem is that quite often they used them in a quite crass and um, oh god yes. Uh, alarming, well, alarmingly, I'd say patronising way. In many yeah, ways, you of know, course. it's like I mean, it's it's like yes, we're going to mix and match. And I, I, you know, it's funny when you were taking, you were talking about uh, the producer and and the shows he'd worked yeah. on, and I almost thought he had. Yeah, I was I was going to say to you, it's like he had a big top hat with little bits of paper in that you picked out. Yeah bits from but i also get that that's what they were doing also with the chinese culture oh this week we'll have one about feng shui yeah. this one or feng shui this way this week we'll have one about um i think exactly you know, all this kind of uh, but to be to be fair to them on that i do remember that yellow thread street was the first time i heard of feng shui that was mm. so you know it was new culture to me and yeah and I don't think I picked up on I Ching because I remember looking at it again, Mark McGann really fluffed his lines mm. over that. He said them so badly mm. that I, I, it's only because mm. I knew it was I Ching that I could work out that's what mm. they were talking about. Mm. But um, 
Yes, it's very much cherry picked, isn't it? To, mm. but in a way that's kind of, ooh, the the East is exotic and colourful sort of feel, which I it, it's 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 that it's that kind of yeah feel. And you get restaurants, you get gambling, yeah. you get all 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 that kind of stuff going on. You get the close ups. You there's quite a lot of going to temples and lighting candles. <laughs> of course, there is. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, which again, but that it's it's kind of shorthand, but it's also quite. Um, it's quite a cheap shorthand if you see what I mean. You know, I mean, there always seems to be an ancient wise friend of somebody's who that's, then gets horribly murdered for no very good reason. Mm. Again, I may be uh, doing that an injustice, but it just happened twice in the two last two episodes. I happened to see, <laughs> right. um, yeah, and and so you know, and and so that our our heroes can look meaningfully and and be out to seek Wewengi for something or other. Um, but no, it's it's tricky because on the on the one hand, I mean, you kind of feel well. Yes, you are trying to embrace the culture, but it, it's again you are coming at it with this heavy-handed Western take on sure. it, and it's tricky to to do that well. And I have perhaps the problems of production or whatever. Maybe if it had a second series, maybe all sorts of possibilities. I mean, I presume they didn't have a second series because they had so many problems making the first one. Because obviously if it was successful, it's very surprising not to make a second yes, series. Yes, exactly. That is interesting because um, that's also mystifying that it was so popular. But then I did think mm. it was good at the time. So mm. it's weird, but that I've never had such a memory cheat I can't think mm. of a memory cheat that's as stark as this. And neither could Marisa. She said, like, she said mm. she'd periodically looked on Amazon to see whether it would be released on DVD wow. for years. Yeah. And to see it. And we watched the first mm. one. She said, well, I don't want to watch any more of that. She didn't watch the second and third one with me. No. no. <laughs> what day was it on? Way, it was, I think it was a Saturday night. It was like big, right, proper. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to work out really how it completely passed me by. I mean, it's possible it was just ITV, or possibly that I was out drinking far too much on Saturday was, nights, like one of the characters in this. It was the same. It was know. the same era as, um, in terms of ITV success, um, mm. Wish Me Luck was onto it, mm. was doing well, um, either the second or third series, and then there was Poirot had just launched, and yes, they were the big successes good. at the time. Mm. Um, but it was up there with them. Um, mm. It really was. It's stylistically very different. It does also remind me of a series that I used to really love, which is probably also awful, called Call, <laughs> called Call Me Mister. And Call Me Mister, an Australian detective, comes to England to claim his title. You won't get it without a fight. Sorry to disturb you. There's a call for Mr Jack. I mean, Sir Jack. Well, hooroo. A film series, but that was set in the UK, but he was American, mm. but it was a similar sort of big sweeping sort of landscape shots mm. and quips and stuff, but much better written than this. Mm. I mean, I thought the dialogue mm. was terrible in this. Mm. Awful. There are things that they try. I don't know if you... I mean, there's... there's a, the, I, I've written down Railway Station Jeopardy for no very good reason. <laughs> but uh, and, and, and there's this whole bank of TV sets which makes it sound exciting and interesting. But there was a bit where they had the two cops in the car and the camera kept swaying back and forth between the two of them as they have one of those... Presumably smart conversations of a Tarantino nature. Oh, somehow. that buddy scene where one was wearing a ca- that, yeah. cowboy hat. Yeah. Bruce Payne and Robert and Taylor. And driving yeah. around, sort of. That... And that and that struck me as being trying to do something that really doesn't work 
It's it's because the emphasis is on the wrong things. The emphasis is mm. all on style and not substance or content. I find I find it fascinating that William Marshall, who wrote the Other Thread Street books, which are well regarded, by the way, um, he was brought in just to write one episode, Spirit Runner. And I watched the start of that with the... And once I realised that he'd written one of them, I thought, I'll watch this one as well, because it might give me a clue. And... It was it was just as bad as the others. And I was just like, maybe he couldn't write for TV or maybe he couldn't write for the style of TV they wanted, which, I mean, who would want that style of TV? Um, but certainly the episodes we watched were by Robert Hammond and Steve Burns. And I looked for other credits and they didn't have very much at all. In fact, none of the writers had many other credits. So that tells you a lot, I think, that they, you know, they didn't work beyond this. I always feel this, the, the interesting art when it comes to TV drama is the director because the director in many ways shouldn't be perceivable, if you yeah. see what I mean. And when you actually, when you something has been directed well, you sort of shouldn't notice that. But you can always notice when it's being directed badly and that's what makes you realise how good good directors are. Yeah, and I think it's it's particularly in the editing, isn't it? It's whether scenes flow, mm. whether you whether you understand what's going on. I mean, as mm. a, if I had directed any of these episodes, these three episodes that we saw, I would have ensured that some scenes were re re um, shot so that you could understand what mm. was being said, and that so much was said um, more clearly. I would have I would have demanded more dialogue to explain what was going on. And, and that's not that's not because of accents or anything like that. It's just that they weren't they weren't making it clear what was going no. on. No, generally, even even you know even the sort of the British actors were mumbling. They were, and and not really having lines that really advanced the plot. And then there was well. those scenes where you could hear what they were talking about, and they were mm. unimportant scenes, like in mm. in the the one called the Red Pole finale, um, mm. in which. Bruce Payne was commenting about, oh, that guy had three women at a time. Isn't that horny to, you know, horribly sexist stuff? And also the bit at the end of Key Witness where where they'd been in that shootout and they were saying, oh, what a party that was, eh? And it was all that sort mm. of like cool hanging out together. Oh, mm. that was dangerous, but we're, we're, we're young and beautiful, so it doesn't matter. That stuff was mm. was really off-putting. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very sweaty drama, I noticed. <laughs> Did you? That, that is one thing I picked up on. There was a lot of sweat. Is, is it a hot place, Hong Kong? Very. Mm. Yes. So that okay. was just Fair accurate. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, because I, I thought, you know, there's a, there's actually a moment in the one I watched this morning, which we, we weren't actually supposed to talk about, uh, called Slicing the Dragon, as as, as we did mention. Yeah. And uh, that's got Tricky Dicky in it. Oh, Ian Reddington. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he looks at one of the cops comes to see him in his in his biz, business empire that's about to go horribly messed up because of his bad ways. And sorry, it's basically what happens. And um, yeah, and and this cop turns up and he looks so scruffy and he just looks at him because he's wearing a suit. And and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, the cops are all. It's the, it's, do we feel that this is what policemen would wear in Hong Kong? I, I, I I'm. I was a bit bewildered sometimes by you know the, I know that there's a whole thing about you have to mingle with the the bad guys and you have to you look like you belong amongst the streets and all that the hard streets, but I did feel that sometimes I was thinking have they just walked in off the beach. <laughs> yeah, I mean Ray Lonnon, you know, 
while he's behind his desk, he should be saying, could you, could you possibly put a tie on from time to time? <laughs> um, yeah, Red Pole is interesting. I, I, the I the one thing I wrote down for because um, this is this is a big episode and it's the first episode we saw with uh, the McGann in it. Yes, but not that one. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, and I, I seem to have just written down hand through hair acting. Well, he liked his hair. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So you run your hand through your hair as as a kind of yeah. But I also and this was a weird thing about that episode particularly because he was doing the I Ching I Ching. To, and he was very. He was trying to be mystical and absor- an absorbed character. Within yes, I think they were going for something there, weren't they? Through gentleness, the ear and eye become sharp and clear. The yielding advances and goes upward. It attains the middle, and finds correspondence in the firm. Hence, there is supreme success. Because I was thinking, is he? Because obviously he'd not been in either of the previous two we watched. I actually thought to myself, oh, is he? Is he like this week's sacrificial lamb? They're going to actually have someone in it who gets bumped off because he's a guest, and then we never see him again. But of course, that's not the case. He's just one of the regulars, just not as regular as probably he would have liked to have been. Yeah. At one point, I actually wrote down, is he a psychic? I thought they'd actually. Ha- I, I suddenly thought this show was going to go in a more interesting direction, and they were going to they were going to find they had a genuine psychic detective, <laughs> and it was suddenly going to get a bit X Files or a bit cult check, and it was going to get well, you know we're going to go into this sort of deep mysticism. Well, I think there was there was an opportunity. Would have been slightly. Yeah, there was an opportunity to Sorry. go more into that mysticism, like you say, mm. and and that episode sort of had suggestions that they could have gone along that path and maybe made some of the some of the characters mm. a bit more. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> because they actually almost play him up like he's he's on some kind of psychic mission or on yeah. some kind of, and he's got some insight because of his mysticism. And I thought, oh, maybe that's just his his character trait. And whilst the whole episode to me came across as being very very comic strip in many ways, and I I I, I did I did write that down, uh, and and they were playing on the, on the uh, Chinese medicine. When you see him in the next episode, which I thought, oh, he's in that, he's in it again. He's very ordinary. It's almost like the character development isn't, which I know is a is a failing of a lot of series television, but this the character development just doesn't seem to go from episode to episode. I'm uh, well, we I should say at home are currently doing a. A massive and very very speedy run through uh, rewatching Deep Space Nine, ah, uh, which is uh, slightly newer than that. But uh, and we got to the ep- the series four PTSD episode where basically it was Deep Space Nine does post traumatic stress disorder in the sense that O'Brien gets who I actually I thought O'Brien was in one of these episodes in the long shot I thought it was um, Colmini wearing oh a, yes a I thought it was Colmini as well. I wrote mm. that down. <laughs> yeah. So that's, this is this is why this is slightly relevant. <laughs> I thought, oh, it's 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 uh, anyway, it's it's not O'Brien. No, but anyway, but basically, O'Brien has this twenty-year experience of prison ah. overnight, right? And and then has to spend the rest of the episode shouting at his child and generally being unreasonable to everybody mm. he's met. And it's all, and you can basically say, oh, this is the issue of the week. Yeah. Right. And that's that's fine and dandy and he goes and at the end they persuade him not to commit suicide and he goes to a counsellor and la-di-la-di-la but 
Then the next episode comes on immediately because it's Netflix. And nothing. No no reference back to it. Nothing. It's like that's this week's episode where, where O'Brien's struggling. And that was the vibe I was getting when I went back to uh, Yellow Thread Street. It's like you can ha you, your, your character this week can have all these issues and all these terrible things happen and get over it. Yeah. Next week, boom, it's like, never happened. No one refers back to it. No one ever says, oh, you were a bit strange and mystical last week, weren't you, bud? <laughs> and no. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> never happened. It was, all a bad, it was all a bad dream. Yeah, but this is what happens when you get so many different writers and directors as well. I think you get no consistency. Mm. And I think yeah. there's, there's well, not a strong enough um, leader at the helm of this series is what it feels like. It feels mm. like the producer um well that was ronald graham and then you've got associate mm. producer roger cheveley now i always mm. think go back to what clifford rose says about roger cheveley and those that last episode of secret army he just said mm. to me he said he wasn't a safe pair of hands andy <laughs> uh, you know <laughs> i mean if you've ever worked in any kind of office or work environment where there are shall we say deadlines yeah you know and you do find sometimes that instead of anticipating problems, you get some people who are um, always firefighting. Oh, totally. And they, and they seem to think that firefighting is what makes their job worthwhile. And when you sit there going, yeah, but if we weren't in this situation in the first place, there wouldn't be any reason for us to be firefighting. You're basically seen as a problem. Yeah. Okay. Now, that's just... Again, it's kind of interesting. The if this production got made despite all the problems, then you know, well done. You know, you managed to make thirteen hours of television out, out of chaos. You know, yeah. but maybe had there been, shall we say, a stronger hand on the tiller, maybe it would have been less traumatic. Generally, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've never worked in television production. I know it's a nightmare. I know there's lots of things you've got to think about. Yeah. But I just feel that somehow the overall, the chaos is making it to the screen and that is slightly problematical, I think, for a show. Yeah. I just think, don't think it knew enough what it wanted to be other than mm. a spectacle, um, mm. a gritty police drama with shades of mm. Miami Vice, something that was mm. colourful, bright, exotic, dangerous. And it mm. does all that. And obviously mm. to, enough for a very basic enjoyment for this 18-year-old mm. and Maurice is a few years younger than me and her yeah. is a 15-year-old. And and it did everything it needed to for the time, but I think it's mm. very much a time-locked drama. And it, looking mm. back on it now, it's 30 years on. It's such a mm. curious thing to have ever been successful or to have thought to have been enough. It's very difficult to fake smart TV. Miami Vice, in and of itself, love it or hate it, you know, came along, had a style, and people took to yeah. it. You know, to try and fake that in another show doesn't work because people latch on to you immediately. There's a, there's a wonderful bit, I think, in the middle episode we watched called Fan Tan. Yeah, why was it called that? Be... Why was it called that? I can't remember. Well, I don't think there was a reason. That's my argument. Carry on. Uh, but the, there was a there was a bad man. Yes, and, I know. Uh, and I think it had something to do with gambling. So, I, I mean, it's funny actually. The one thing I did write down, and and this is another aspect of of television drama that that bothers me. I I like a, a good crime drama. I like you know, yeah. But I I actually wrote down shit. It's a horse racing episode. <laughs> because, 
I always have a problem when a crime drama goes and does a horse racing episode. My brain just goes, oh, not, not this one. <laughs> and it's also the strangest thing. It's also if they do a Formula One episode. Okay. They're, they're the two, two sports that I feel should never be put into TV cop shows yeah. because they just make me go, oh, please. Yes. It's, just, it's just one of those things because they always follow the same beat. They used to do it quite often on things like uh, CSI Miami and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, you'd suddenly go, oh, this is this year's horse racing yeah. episode. Shall we skip to the next but one? But can I just yeah. say, that is the least of this episode's problems. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I just, let, I just, let, me, just, let would, me just run through that, the story of this one because... Oh, this is the child labour one, isn't it? So, basically, yes. we, we learn that... Well, let, let me just, let's look at this one in some detail because it bears some analysis. So it's called Fan Tan Man. It's by Steve Burns mm-hmm. and it's directed by Roger Cheveley. Um, and it's about um, a cool young Hong Kong guy called... I think he's called Kenny... And you've got the the cop, um, Marenta, played by Robert Taylor, who's trying to get him onto the straight and narrow and trying to do deals with him. Meanwhile, you've got another detective, um, Eddie Pack, played by Tai Ma, who's quite a famous Asian actor now in America. Um, And he is trying to to track down a child who's gone missing. Mm. But that is a bit confusing to begin with. Um, Mm. It's not clear straight away. Anyway, and then... Would that have helped, do you think, had I seen all the other episodes so I'd recognised the cop characters? Cause Possibly, because they had him... Come... When this chap turned up, I didn't know yeah. that he wasn't one of the policemen. Yeah, exactly. Um, and mm. then you've got this head of Sydney police called Victor Cross Crossland or Crossman, mm. and you've got his colleague Norton, who's also a police person, mm. and we can't quite work out their relationship, and then they're meeting with this businessman called Nang, and who, who it turns out, is running a triad and has is drug trafficking and getting people like Kenny into drugs, mm. but also in also the it turns out the kid as well. Yes. When they when they find him. So there's some nice bits like well, horrible mm. bits like where um Eddie finds the sweatshop where the kids are all putting mm. toys together in a horrible labour situation mm-hmm. and that's a nice bit of a beat. But the rest of it with following around um following around those those two Australian guys and trying to work out what they're mm. doing and what their relationship with, with Nang is, is so mm. confusing. Um, they end up on a boat. Um, yes. Well, initially, Crossman ends up on a boat so he can have a shag with a prostitute on a boat. Yeah. It, was, it was a shag boat. And, and then you have the two characters of... Um, um, whatever he's called, Marenta and Dor- yeah. Jackie. I will keep wanting to call you Doreen, that's her real name. Go on a boat, yeah. go on a really creepy boat, pay $300 to go on a boat to have sex mm. with each other. Which mm. didn't make sense. Did you understand that? Mm. Well, that's all a bit outside my experience. No, but why would you pay a woman <laughs> to go onto a boat so you can have sex on their boat? It didn't make any sense. Mm. If you're going on there to have sex with one of the prostitutes, yes... But mm. they were going on as a couple. It was so weird. Mm. It didn't mm. make any sense. Anyway, that was so they could spy mm. on the other guy. Yep. And then they end up in this gambling situation later on in which Eddie is pretending to be someone else and he wants to get revenge on Nang for the fact that this kid's been found with, with um, puncture marks in his arm because he's been taking drugs. Um, so at this point, it was like, 
well, what is the deal between these Australians and this triad leader? And there was one garbled line of dialogue about the idea is to take the whole of the triad to Sydney ahead of independence, ahead of 97, so that they can run their triad and their trafficking in in Australia. Hmm. Yes, did you hear that as well? Yeah, uh, well, I think so. I think it's kind of I, I, it's interesting because because again, my 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 weirdness of my brain is that I started to make connections with the poolside scenes in Beiderbeck weirdly, mm. dodgy geezers by by pools and and seeing this is this is how not to do it. <laughs> Go back and watch Beiderbeck. That shows you how to do that so, kind of. Uh, so- Dodgy blokes. So it turns it pools. turns out in the end though that they're double crossing and there's a bomb in a briefcase that they mm. leave at the gambling yes. table to blow up Nang and the gang, mm. Nang and the gang, and yeah, and that's just like what? So what was the mm. double cross and why and and what? Yeah, and then right at the end, for no good reason, you've got Detective Morenta at the football match in Hong Kong and he sees Kenny. Oh, who, yes, who was working for the triad at work, turned out. But he's just, like, hanging around at a fence, and it's meaningful and moody, and there was no message. And it ended, and I'm like, oh, my God. What, what have I just watched? I'm so confused. My my uh, thing, again, for, for that episode, uh, amongst all the other things, is the mind-numbing numbness of... <laughs> gambling scenes in television right yeah yeah, yeah. i mean i know i know if you like gambling i'm sure it's fascinating but one of one of the th- reasons i've always said that that casino royale is not the masterpiece people will tell you it is is because for about 20 minutes in the middle of the film they play cards <laughs> and i just think no it's just you could quite happily lose 20 minutes from that film and it would be a better film there's a there's an aspect of that episode specifically that annoyed the hell out of me and it was, I don't know what it is. Again, it's one of those things that when television does it badly, you notice it. And it's when television does youth culture badly. Youth. Because it's because it's being observed and written by people who aren't in yes, youth Yes, absolutely culture. that, yeah. And so you get all the... You, I mean, so it's, you turn up with he's got leather and he's, and he's trying to look cool. Yeah. And I, I think, God, for Christ's sake. <laughs> You know, uh, and is that the one with the the masked villain as well, who is in the shootout, or is that no? That's one? that's you're getting them mixed up. You're merging them. That was right. that was um, key witness, I think. No, no, it wasn't. No, no, no was, that was the red were, pole one. Oh, was yeah, it? Because there were two. There were two things in this episode that got me. There was one. There was there was very much. I don't know what you know in the the scenes with the pig. Yes, Cecil the pig. Cecil the pig and and the the two ordinary Chinese cop extras. Yeah, I think, and they both actually looked like, you know, the cliche characters, uh, the Japanese really character. You know, the mustache, the glasses, the yeah, hat. And I just thought to myself, that just looks like they've been dressed by central casting. From they, they look like they've walked off Tenko to me. Yeah, you know, like that, you know yeah. or been kicked off Tenko. Like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not good enough for Tenko. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Yeah. I just thought, yeah, you've made the these people that have actually been dressed up to look like cliche Chinese. Yeah, pops. it's just dodgy. And it was, and that was disturbing. Yeah, uh, and also there was a thing because there was a school teacher, wasn't there, who was trying to yes. Do do her um, school. what was it the 
the uh, I, I'm trying to think of that film. Good Morning Vietnam, no, not Good Morning Vietnam. The other one he did, the Robin Williams film. <laughs> I don't know which one. Uh, good, not Good Williams. Anyway, the, the one where he's the teacher and he's the oh, Dead Poets Society. Dead Poets Society, and she's trying to inspire these children, and but they keep getting kidnapped and taken off into the. The uh, the slave trade. <laughs> yes, uh, and I just thought she, this she has doomed teacher written all over. She might as well have target on head, you know. And of course that doesn't happen. So no, that's the thing. Itself. It's like it's like an episode of Acorn Antiques. You think it's going to be picked up a bit later, but it never mm. is because no one's no one's thinking about character development or interest. But then she would have been really interesting the, to follow and see what happened to yeah. her. Yeah. But the the weird thing then happens is that the villain sort of in his in his suit goes and and I think part of the way they're doing whatever it is they're doing is he goes to light some candles in a temple because you know you have to have a scene set. In the <laughs> you have to, yeah, it's so, it's requirement. Uh, presumably that's to do with all those production problems that they had. They had to slaughter a goat and have a scene in a yeah. temple or something. But the uh, I I just thought there was a scene. I just thought don't set your suit on fire. I just thought that was the only thing I was worrying about in the scene was the how close his suit was to the flames. <laughs> I'm thinking yeah that. That's uh, maybe that's just because I'm I'm just taking the pee now. But it's actually to me it was just as an episode. I was just thinking, no, I I, I don't care. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. And now I'm just worrying about the furniture and the clothing. Well, there was, there was two particular dialogue moments in this episode, and I'll play mm. one of them in. I'm just gonna I'll decide okay. as afterwards. But the two they were all they were both between the detective Marenta and this young cool Hong Kong guy, um, Kenny. And the first one was where they kept bandying words about war and peace and like peace now and then war and then war and then peace and mm. peace and then war, which went on for ages. And it was like, what? Mm. I thought we settled it. No one owns the lousy staircase. There's this cover staircase. You listen to me, Kenny. Three of the Wolfganger are in the hospital because of you. I want peace to break out now. Unconditional surrender by both sides. You got that? Get off the territory. It's only you here. There's a war, and there's a peace. And then more war, more peace. Now, it's war. Nothing like it. And then there was the really naive conversation that Miranda had with him where he was saying, saying, well, maybe if you and all the other Hong Kong lads, the cobras and the wolves, if you all work together and whenever anyone does anything bad, you tell the police, eh? And the guy was like, okay, then. <laughs> it's kind of like, are you really a policeman? Do you really understand how the world works? I'll tell you what I want, Kenny. I want you and the cobras and the wolves to start working together. Just get some of the madness out of this place. I don't mean vigilantism. I mean, you call me... Or one of my colleagues, if you see any dealers. And maybe I can get you some reward money. That you think that it's okay to be an informant and it's and it's safe? It was it was so bizarre and basic. Yes. Those scenes leapt out Ooh. at me as terrible. <laughs> well, there were a lot of uh, quite terrible moments in quite a lot of episodes. <laughs> and again, it's terrible because we we you know we we come we come here not not to you know. To, to destroy television, but to try and find not to bury Caesar, but to praise nice him. Nice things to yes. say about it. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's it's tough because we don't want to be really negative, but this honestly, I would say this maybe even bottom of the pile, even below GBH, because at least GBH was trying to be something. I, it was 
freaking awful, but at least it had a, an ambition. Whereas mm-hmm. this was just, oh, the, the worst sort of... The, the wonderful thing about Yellow Thread Street, and I will say, is that the, the villains are all shit. <laughs> they really are. They are all absolute <laughs> bloody crap. Yeah. You know? They are, they are without... I mean, there's a wonderful scene. There's a big shootout in the first episode we watched. Um, and, and I just thought, these... I don't know whether they got all the, all the Hong Kong stuntmen but it was like they were the stupid. They all stood exactly where they were going to get shot, so they could leap over a balcony. Yeah. It was. It was. It was like there was like you could not be that stupid. Yeah. You know, there's and and then there's this where they're trying to save the witness in the house, isn't it? Yeah. But this then there's this all this stuff with the bomb, on the beach, at the end of that episode where oh god, it's just it's either the direction or the planning or whatever or they didn't have the coverage or whatever but it's just so ineptly directed <laughs> uh, I feel I feel I'm going to get the director ringing us up now and going oh you can't slag they're all dead it's but okay it's, <laughs> but it's really 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 so messily directed yeah, all of them scene, all of them and there's no there's no coherence as to quite you know I don't I, it's weird isn't it we've all got the literature we were not the literature. The um, the we all sort of have the language of film. Yes, we we all understand how a scene is structured and you how it should this, develop. It tells yeah. you this. This happens. That happens because that happened. You know, we kind of understand that. I know some people play around with it, and sometimes you get flashbacks and yeah. things mess around. But generally speaking, you watch a scene like that, you pretty much at the end of it know what was going on. Yeah, you know, and basically, have you ever? been in one of those or been involved with one of those things where somebody just basically says oh we'll make it up as we go on. <laughs> it does have that feel doesn't it i mean it's... it, if, it i mean you know drama i know people make videos themselves and all this kind of thing but that sense that we're going to do a big scene here yeah. and i once one of the worst experiences of my entire life at school and i promise you this um you know, is that we had to do each. Uh, we, you know how schools were in houses. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, and and you would have, uh, but you also had streams. Mm. So so, so uh, blah blah. But basically, my English, I was good at English, believe it or not. But uh, we were split into the three parts of that house to do three separate shows. We had to do stage shows. Mm. You know, one a week. The, f- the first house had to do one the first week, the second house had to do And we had to put a show together, write the sketches, all that kind of thing. It was it was supposed to be a bit of, um, I guess, a variety, but you know what I'm saying, a variety show. Yeah. And I swear to God, because I was in the end, I was supposed to be nominally in charge of this. Uh, and I remember the English teacher afterwards just looking at us going, what the bloody hell? Because literally behind the, behind the curtains, I had 13 people who all just had an idea. No one had done any work. Yeah. No one had put any of the work in. Yeah. And so we basically, he, he said, yeah, the first uh, the first uh, show had uh, ten sketches in it, and they were quite good. Uh, the second show had nine. Uh, very good. So the third one, uh, Martin, yeah, you had 38 separate sketches. <laughs> None of which may, uh, looked like they'd been written at all. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah. And you just think, yeah, and I, and it was just the fact that, because I, you know, I had no management skills whatsoever, but the real truth of that is, is I got a vibe of that watching that scene. Yeah. It's like, oh, we, we set up your camera here, set up your camera, oh, this has got to happen. And literally at the end of some of these episodes, I was actually going, what was that all about? And that's not really great with a telly program. I mean, like you say, I know you, as a, as a youngster, you loved it. Maybe it's just that my ancient concrete old man brain just couldn't handle all the stuff that was going on or maybe it was the image quality or maybe it was the no i, it, I don't think it's about age i think it's just about how it stands up today and it just doesn't it just doesn't compare to how tv is made today certainly not film drama it's just appalling um it's it's so weird i i feel that the directors were more in control than the writers and that the writers because they were all novice and hadn't done much tv i think it was easy for their work to be just run run over and just like steamrolled by the directors who just wanted great shots and who, and the directors clearly were not interested in the developing plot absolutely couldn't have been but that comes from the top it doesn't necessarily come from each director you know but um well i mean was is there a credit is there a, a script editor credited for the series i don't think so but you i guess roger Cheveley might be that because it's associate producer yeah. so you'd think he would have something to do with it but um, so do you think there was an overhauling? I mean, you actually remember watching this on transmission, and you and you enjoyed it. Yes, I, mean, I remember it was a d- every week. I remember going, being a oh, little. I, for I remember being a little yeah. befuddled that it was different detectives each week, and it was like, oh, I like that one. She was good, or he mm. was good. But was there was there a, like a running thread through the series that from episode one? I mean, did it build up to a? You know, oh God, like, no! Because I can't find episode thirteen anywhere. Oh God, no! Did it just, it was stop just anthology, or, or, did, or did they all die in a horrible shootout? Or what? well, let's hope so, but. But no, <laughs> that's episode fourteen. Yeah. We may we may make episode fourteen. Let's face it, we could knock it up in an afternoon. Yeah, a couple of tickets to Hong Kong. Well, honestly, get some random people off the street. I could easily have written better episodes in the in a uh, better episode in wow. an afternoon. And I, I, you know, I can write a bit, but honestly, they weren't trying. Honestly, or the writers did have scripts that were then mm. destroyed by a, a by directors who wanted mm. filmic nonsense. We don't know. I know that one of the guys, the guy who wrote The Lost Man, the second episode, he demanded his name be removed from the credits. Really? Yes. So... Do you feel then that if it did suddenly, miraculously get that uh, DVD DVD release that no one's expecting, (coughs) would you still... No, I absolutely wouldn't. (laughs) Having... Seen what? Well, I've, we've, I've seen four episodes now, so that's what a third of it. Yeah, it's such a shame. Slightly under a third of it. Don't yeah. don't wish for these things to be seen again. I mean, it's totally unlike Doctor Who in that sense. I mean, Doctor Who mm. just thrilled me coming back to it all, and so did so many other series, mm. Blake Seven, all the other ones I I love. Because and it's just yeah, it, it is interesting that though, because a lot of people who aren't us would possibly turn around and look at Doctor Who and go, well, that's just rubbish. And a lot of people looked at Blake Seven and went, well, that's just rubbish. Is it because it was science fiction or is it because, you know, sometimes it looked a bit tatty? Or And to that, that sort of stuff doesn't matter if you enjoy something. But to come back to something and just say, yeah, it's just bad. I think all those old, it's, all those old TV series that we love and some of, a lot of the ones we covered in this series have mm. just been very well written and mm. good production for the time. But this, well, there's a this nostalgia this, factor. But this is, that, but yet, this is neither. But you had a nostalgia for this. I mean, you like yeah. I said you were looking forward to to talking about yeah. it. Yeah, you know, however briefly. 
<laughs> is that it? I don't think this is going to be one of our epics, is it? Let's it be really honest. isn't, no. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the last thing I want to say about it is that it was just mm. so nice to go to Hong Kong and and I had that sort of vibe of Yellow Thread Street and it was really exciting and going there, it kind of was fantastic to sort of had that sort of like weird filming introduction to it and then, but also to see how it's changed and there's, there's all those yeah. staircases have been tidied up and... You know, a lot of them are actually escalators now. You actually stand mm. on escalators to go up those staircases. Yeah. And it's so regenerated since. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's got problems now with the Chinese taking takeover of it completely in a way that's the yeah. Hong Kong culture, some of that is threatened. But to see yeah. how it's developed since then, because I stood on top of that hill where that helicopter took off from, and it was just yeah. the difference uh, in terms of how much it's developed since is just mm. incredible. And also I went on that ferry, the, the, the green ferry that Mark McGann went on at one point. That ferry across the river is, is, is important. And the underground, the underground in Hong Kong is the most pristine, clean, yeah. beautiful, brilliantly user experience UX designed mm. things I've ever been on. Mm. And I was pleased to see it looked clean, but it didn't look as clean mm. as it did when we went. It just, it's the mm. most gorgeous thing in the world if you ever get mm. to go. There was a scene, wasn't there, where they just basically did the chase on, yeah. on a on an underground train, yeah. wasn't there? And and that struck me as I'm assuming that these were just random commuters; they weren't actually even extras. Yeah, you feel like they just leapt on a train with a camera and and got on with it, yeah. really. Which is kind of again that kind of guerrilla filmmaking can be quite interesting if it's done yeah. done well. It's just I don't know whether um the shot that you mentioned about all those houses on top of each other but there was the Kowloon walled city that was the area controlled by the triads from the 50s to the 70s and it was pulled down I think it was pulled down um, in the early 90s just after Yellow Thread Street but I don't know whether it was used actually in the series I didn't spot it but did you think you spotted it? I think so Yeah, yeah. I did do a couple of screen grabs I'll see Yeah because that, yeah. that was that was where it, the the books were based was all around that and it's now a park so Marisa and John actually went to just like the levelled out Kowloon Walled City Park which is kind of a heritage site now a heritage site you know based on this sort of drug den but um it is it is weird because I mean that that can endear a, a, a program to you I mean I I remember years ago we went to Sicily yeah and all the time I was there, I was just humming the theme from The Godfather to myself. <laughs> it, it, because I was so familiar with it. And this, the places you went, you said, ah, da, da, dee, da. Yeah. <clears throat> and to the point at which you start thinking, you know, better off with saying, oh, you'll be upsetting the locals. <laughs> there's more to Sicily than The Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's definitely more to Hong Kong than Yellow Thread Street, I would say that. <laughs> Poor, poor Ray Lonnan went far too young, and uh, you know, Mr. Tara Ward. But, mm, yes, you know, and and again, you know, highly regarded, if nothing else, you know. Yeah. It's um, it, it's just yeah. Did any of the other actors turn up in anything at all apart from the one you mentioned? Yeah, Time Eye is now oh, really yeah. popular. Um, not popular. Really, um, works well in lots of different things in mm. lots of big things. Um, the mm. others less so. I mean, Mark McGann was always one of the, was always the third McGann, wasn't he? Because there was Paul and Joe, mm. and he was always the third one. Um, mm. But the others, not really. I mean, Bruce Payne, we've previously seen in Nemesis, of course. He was the son, wasn't he? Mm. The, with the who was hanging out, who was the um, yeah. 
the tramp that then cut mm. his hair off and That's gorgeous. Right, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, I did identify with the people in the series in the sense that um, I was only hired for this podcast because of my looks. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I, I've got a great face for radio. Yes, I was just checking whether you were listening there because I could tell you were looking at credits on IMDb. <laughs> so I thought I'd say something silly. <laughs> In and of what it's trying to do, you know, it it's trying, as we said right at the first, it's trying to be Miami Vice yeah. done on a on a Yorkshire television budget, uh, set in Hong Kong, and you know, yeah, it it looks a lot of the time it looks like rock videos, and you know, if that's what you want from your television, then it's perfectly serviceable. If you like to look at nice shots of Hong Kong, you get you probably get quite a lot out of it. If you're a fan of good crime drama, probably it's not the you know you're not going to get sort of whodunits or yeah. or interesting complicated plots. You you're going to get this is the villain of the week and this is it. Yeah. This is the shootout at the end, yeah. which again worked on Miami Vice. So you you can't knock it for trying. Well, yeah, to but be I that. always hated Miami Vice and didn't watch it. So and yet and yeah. yet I watched Yellow Thread Street. Isn't that weird? Anyway. I would not mm. encourage any of you to go and watch it if you haven't watched it, mm. other than to have a laugh and think, well, this is t- terrible. I still maintain it It feels like you're watching a spoof, and that's a weird thing for a TV yeah. drama. John came down and he's like, what is this? He could immediately see how hackneyed it was. And he's like, why mm. are they talking like that? He said, <laughs> it's like, exactly, exactly. Mm. And did you notice the Yellow Thread Street um, tweet that I put out that got... No interaction whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, even, even I didn't notice that one. <laughs> I was like, wow, okay. No one cares. Um, and in fact, I, I did Well, it. like I say, I'd never even heard of it. You know, I'd literally never heard well, of this. A... This is a big big £8 million series on, on Saturday nights on, on ITV, and I literally did not know it existed. Yeah. That's how much impression it made on yeah. me. Okay. Right, I think it's time to say goodbye. Um Okay. We are almost at the end of our first series of the A to Z. Alphabet. Next week, it's Z. <gasps> Z! Gosh. Next week. No, we're not doing weekly. No, monthly. Yeah. Next month. Next month, yeah. it's Z. Next month, it's Z. And... Yes, they, and people will think, oh, it's all over. And you go, ha, 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 but no. Well... Because <laughs> the beauty of I it don't know. I might, I might be just canning it. I don't know. But... Um, we might be just thinking sodding with yeah. this. But um, we're going to France next time, aren't we? France. Um, yeah, we are overdue look at, at some ITC. Yes, we've not looked at any ITC dramas, so we're going to be looking at The Zoo Gang. I think we're going to watch all of it. So, uh, Well, there's not a great deal of it. Yeah, but so it's still yes, six episodes, isn't it? Oh. Yes, there are, there are six of them. Yes. So we will see you. We won't see you. We will speak and you will hear us. <laughs> oh, my God, what am I saying? <laughs> you can hear us. Uh, Next time, you you know how much you enjoy editing our program. Right, let's do this again. Okay, so until (laughs) next time, I have been Andy, disappointed in Yellow Thread Street. Sorry, (laughs) and I have been Martin, uh, slightly bewildered by Yellow Thread Street. But uh, you take care. Okay, cheers. Bye. Oh God. Anyway, there we go.
You have been listening to an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy and Martin. Next time, The Zoo Gang. Hello and welcome back to an eight. Oh, can you not hear me? All right, so you're just talking over my introduction. Great. Okay. <laughs>